0: Welcome to the JDL and Admissions Podcast. I'm your host and instructor, Jimmy D of JDLSAT.com. In each episode, we discuss key habits you can master to study smarter and save time to raise your LSAT score and your chance of law school admissions. It's an honor. Today I'm interviewing Ted, who is a student of mine, both for the LSAT at Admissions, and Ted's starting at Georgetown, Georgetown University Law Center right now in the fall of 2022 as a 1L. So, one, welcome. It's so good to see you. I'm so happy to see you. I want to hold off and talk to you more on here, but, man, it's so good to see you. How are you doing, man? Congratulations.
1: Oh, uh, thank you, Jimmy. I really appreciate it. Um, it's Yeah, as you said, it's an honor. Like. Uh, to be kind of coached by you throughout the process and then, um, have my own experience. And and then to be here talking to you again, as like from the other side, it, uh, it feels a little bit better than when it was over there, but you know,
0: (laughs) it all worked out the way you wanted. I'm so happy. Um, Yeah, no, that was, that was, yeah, that was great. So Awesome. It's an honor for me, man. And thank you. Um, so let, let's give us everybody a little bit of background. So Ted came to me as he was studying for the LSAT. And then we worked together on his application. Ted, uh, you were an undergrad at Georgetown. And now you're starting at Georgetown University Law Center.
1: Yes, exactly. So I was an undergrad at Georgetown. Um, I was class of 2018 for, um, for or 20, 2018 for high school and then 2022. So I was a, <laughs> straight through. Um, I've, I've, I'm like one of those straight through kids. Um, I was an econ major. I had a minor in government, which is what they call political science at my school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also had a minor in business administration. So it's kind of my background. You animals! So what you had one major and two minors.
0: Yes, exactly. Nice. nice. Um, cool, man. So we had a few things going on here that I think could be a value to a lot of our listeners. So, um, you know, one, right, just having been there and as an undergrad and two, I just want to point out and we'll come back to this, but you did apply early decision. Yes. Cool. So we'll definitely talk about that because that, 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 that I think is, is important and people have interest in that. Um, And if I, like, I think part of it, right, Georgetown was your first choice. I think and that's part of why you did early decision.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, I, so I really enjoyed my experience as an undergrad um, and, you know, having a law school that's got that kind of, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like the prestige doesn't matter. It totally matters in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, it, it was a great environment to be um, in for undergrad. Uh, it's For the reasons I went there, it was, you know, I love economics. I love uh, government. I love politics. So that was stuff. That was the reasons why I went to Georgetown undergrad. And that's this for many of the same reasons are the reasons why I wanted to go to Georgetown Law. It's like, I know it's kind of a trope of Georgetown law, but where would you rather be than be in D.C., the place where, you know, all of the laws being made. You know, you can walk two blocks and you're hitting the Capitol building and a few more blocks, you hit the Supreme Court. So it's really, you know, an incredible experience to be in D.C. for undergrad and then for law school. So I, I, I was going to definitely uh, shoot for that opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, it's I have I have a lot of familiarity with Georgetown. I was actually when I was applying to law school, I I got into Georgetown and I got into Berkeley and I was between the two and I was very torn. And frankly, you know, what, what had me going. I'm from I'm from the East Coast as well. So like it was tough, but I just love warm weather. So went back yeah. to California uh, where I was already living at that point. But but man, it was very I was very torn because I was I'm a recovering political junkie. You know, not that it matters, right? But it, yeah. what you say is so interesting because when you're on GULC, you know, when you're on that Georgetown Law Center ca- campus, if you will, right, it's literally a, a, a basically a city block. But then I, I'll always remember this. If I stick my head out and look down the street, I see the Capitol. I mean, not even kidding. It's like what? It, yeah. it, you just literally stick your head down and you see the Capitol from Georgetown University Law Center, that block or campus or whatnot i'm probably butchering the, the terminology but yeah, no, that e-
1: yeah no that's exactly right i mean um georgetown law is literally right next to the capitol building and then the capitol building is a few blocks from the supreme court and and you walk down and there's judiciary square if you walk down a you know south just like three blocks so all the courthouses are here tax court and whatever it's it's incredible and it's really and and Many people maybe not don't know this about the law center. It is in a different part than Georgetown yes. undergrad. Georgetown undergrad is in Georgetown, Georgetown. D.C. versus the uh, the law center campus is in the middle of D.C. and that's definitely also a perk for me as an undergrad. I get to experience a new part of the city, which is
0: yeah. It's funny, right? Because uh, I wanted to make sure we bring that up because if anyone who's not as familiar, um, it, it, they they're the campuses are different and they're far apart, right? Georgetown's an historic Georgetown part of DC. It's beautiful. It's hilly and amazing. And um, it's just an awesome place to go to college. But yeah, like you're, you, when you're, when you're going to the law center, that is in a different part of DC. It's near the Capitol. It's very separated. It's a very different experience. So on the one hand, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Georgetown overall having been an undergrad. And so, I don't know, sometimes people are like, gee, I'm really happy for this opportunity, but, I've been here for four years. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You're at the same broader institution, but it's a different campus and obviously a very different experience.
1: Is that fair? Oh yeah, totally. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a totally different area. It's not an area that I would ever go to unless you were kind of a Capitol Hill intern, mm-hmm. um, in undergrads. So if you were doing that, then you were, but otherwise, um, you really weren't exploring this, uh, area where the law center was. So it's great, and it's really close to the mall. I really like runs, so if that's, nice. Uh, you know, it, I, it's really easy, and it's super beautiful. It's a very bikeable, runnable city, walkable city, so I love it. Yeah, it's a great place.
0: And just to clarify, I think everybody knows, except for maybe me when I was younger, like, when I'd hear the mall back in the day, I'm like, oh, the mall, but you mean, you, I think most people are more sophisticated than I ever was, right? Even if you're not from D.C., but we're talking about the mall, what is
1: it, like, where the monument is and that. Yeah, like um, yeah, that was good to clarify. It's the it's the space where they have all the Smithsonian museums lining the the green area, uh, like a grassy squares, and then it leads up to the Capitol and it leads back down uh, to the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Mo-
0: uh, Memorial. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 gorgeous, it's majestic, and it's it's a jogger's paradise. Is that? I, I think oh, like yeah. you know. It, Anyone who's a political junkie, if you've read about, you know, no matter what your political leanings are, you know, it's, it's got bipartisan appeal. I think, you know, Obama, when he was first a senator, would jog there. And um, uh, former speaker, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, one, one of the former speakers I remember would ride his bicycle there in the other party. Right. Like, but I mean. Uh, uh, Boehner, Boehner, John Boehner, right? But, but I mean, yeah, like everyone loves it. It's a gorgeous area. It's very majestic. And if anyone is not know what we're talking about, you've probably seen it in
1: tons of movies. It's a majestic place to live and frankly go to law school. Yeah, it's, it's what you think of when you think of D.C. When you're thinking of D.C., you're thinking of the Lincoln Memorial. You're thinking of the Washington Monument. You're thinking of the Capitol Building. That's where the mall is. And Georgetown, uh, the law center, is a 15-minute walk to there to right to there. So it's, and it's, and it's really like a 15 minute walk to the Capitol. Too, so,
0: you know, um, I, I know we're, I think this is important because I always say to people, I want you to know where you're, when you're going to law school, this is where you're going to live and you're going to spend all your three years. So you want to be comfortable with it. You know, it doesn't have to be a majestic place, but you want to be comfortable with it and happy with it. And it is a nice plus. And one point I should also make, I always encourage people, you know, to, if you're applying to these places and you're going to potentially live there for three years, you need to visit it. So, and, and if you don't get a chance to before you apply, then certainly after before you pull that trigger, if you decide to go. But the cool thing about Georgetown is it's pretty close to union station, which is one of the central hubs. I remember just getting out of union station and went to visit and you could literally walk right to the Geo-
1: Georgetown law center. Is that fair? Oh yeah. That's it's, it's right there. I mean, I, we, uh, I, I, just live five minutes from it and the law center is about a 10 minute walk so it's it's all right in striking distance nice and and i will say just on your point of um, yeah. the in you, knowing where you want to go location wise that is key and that and i was something that i really considered deeply when i was applying to law schools um and you know i'm not gonna be i wasn't gonna be so picky so if you know, some top tier school uh, that was not in my ideal location was going to uh, accept me. And that was the only one. I wasn't going to reject them. But if given the choice between two schools that are of pretty similar capacity, that was really going to be a factor. Um, and Georgetown and I and I've loved the D.C. area. That's why I applied to your undergrad and I've continued to love it. So
0: I'm glad you said that. That is super important. Right. You're going to be investing good chunk of your life and you know the how it affects your the, the rest of your career by what you do in these next few years particularly 1L which we'll definitely touch on you want to be in a place that you want to be at mm-hmm. um and yeah I want to go back to another point you made you know when you were talking about uh you know you'd kind of mentioned um you know the the, the prestige of a place like Georgetown and you know I do want to say I I think you know uh to be fair right like it is a. in some ways it's, it, it is more practical with law school, right? If you're, and things might change, right. But if you're applying for something like medical school, well, you know, I mean, just getting into medical school is great. You know, you doesn't really honor so much. You're going to be in demand. For the last 10 plus, maybe more 20 years, right? Like it's such a competitive field as a lawyer that it's not about, prestige or snobbery or anything like that that i think we have to worry you know about how you know it's it's because of the the career issues right you you want to get the competitive edge that you can and so it does benefit you to be at a top law school whether it's a t14 tier one um it just gives you a competitive advantage because the field is so competitive and That doesn't mean you have to go to a top law school. But one thing I would encourage students to do is, right, if I'm not going to a top level law school that will give me a competitive advantage, then fine. Right. Like, but try to get as much of a scholarship that way. Maybe I don't have as much of a competitive advantage. But, you know, if I've if I'm not taking out as much in loans or I don't have to worry about the financing of it as much, then I can, you know, then I I basically have more of a buffer. But, you know, you're absolutely right there's no shame in wanting to be at a top level law school because of the practical necessities of how
1: competitive the field is. Is that fair? Yeah. And I mean, yes, I think your analysis is exactly right. It's grad school. So it's different than undergrad where like it's, you know, in undergrad, you're kind of generally speaking, you're having fun, you're hanging out with your friends, you're not working too much on the weekends. It's, it's a, and, and maybe you're Maybe you're not, but it's 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 a totally different game than what you're looking for in a law school, uh, because it is grad school, and theoretically afterward you're looking for a job, so it matters. Um, I'm not gonna pretend like it doesn't. Um, So and that was why that was part of why I uh, was applying to Georgetown um, and and other schools in the T14 is because it 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 definitely it helps. It's not as you said, it's not the be all and end all, but it's can give you. a a leg up definitely so
0: in a very competitive field yeah yes yeah um and then i guess the other thing you know is interesting that you touched on right like everyone kind of you you you're talking about right like liking where you are remember like if i if i'm at two places of equal rank let me go to the place i want to be at more i want to talk about that because that is important again right um and we'll we'll talk about 1l and and how how what you do is going to affect your career but You do want to perform well and you do want to get the most out of this time. And so it is important that you're at a place that you want to be at. I think it depends on the person I I lean towards. I'll tell you this, right? Like, I'll just give you one quick anecdote. You might be able to relate to this. Um, I remember when I was between Berkeley and Georgetown, a really close friend of mine who went to Harvard Law was like, hey, you know, Jimmy, I know you don't like winters. But maybe you should go back to the East Coast and be at Georgetown, even though you don't like winters, because that way you could really focus on your studies because you need to do really well so you can. And, you know, that's one way to look at it. And that's probably what worked for him. So he was like, okay with the fact that you would. But but I was like, you know, I I hate winter uh, and I love warm weather. So I think I'd be better on the West Coast at a place like Berkeley because yes, I'll be tempted to go outside and all that other stuff, but I will also be happier and that's more conducive to me doing well. But that's me. And I my only point in this whole goofy story is to emphasize that for some people, they might just be like that, where they're like, I need to be at a place where I'm not happy so I can focus on studying. Or it could be just the opposite, where I want to be at a place that is more conducive to my happiness nice. so that way I can study better. And I think everyone's got to decide that for themselves. Uh, so how you get
1: there can vary, but
0: any thoughts on that? Sorry for my
1: no, that's, long no, anecdote there. That's a, that's a great story. Um, and it's, it's got some truth to it. It's totally, you know, it's fact, you know, as we, we in law school are calling it, it's fact dependent. It matters. <laughs> like, uh, but I will say um, also one thing that just in choosing the school that you're looking for and choosing the schools you applying to part of what you also probably would want to consider is where do you want to end up afterward? Mm-hmm. Because, the school that you choose is it can determine that or, or can help you with that so if you were choosing between Berkeley and Georgetown, you know if you wanted to if you yourself I really think I want to be on the East Coast well you're gonna have a easier time getting those kind of gigs at Georgetown versus in Berkeley just because of the nature of Georgetown being you know right the close proximity. it's got it's got a yeah it's got a funnel and people. Georgetown people don't fare as well over on the West Coast. So if I really want to be in, you know, Palo Alto doing tech law or something like that, maybe I want to be at Berkeley or UCLA or, you know, one of those schools out there, Stanford.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. You know, the the, the, the one caveat I would say is, right, the, you know, the, generally this goes back to what you were saying, right, about just um, the practical necessity of, of, of having that competitive advantage with a higher ranked school is, um, and I, I well, give my example. Right. I, yeah. I was like, I wanted to keep my options open, but I, I knew that at least, you know, because of the rank of a Berkeley. Yes. Would it right. be a little bit easier if I was on the, on the, on the East coast, if I wanted to go back to the East coast? Sure. But because it was a top 10 law school, I still could go to it. I could, I could be at Berkeley and then come back to New York or go into DC. Would it probably be a little nicer if I knew I wanted to be in DC, if I was at Georgetown? Sure. The proximity, especially with Georgetown. Right. You're in a such a unique place. But I mean, just for anyone out there who's listening who doesn't have these specific choices. Right. Um, if you're at a higher ranked school, this is not to say that it precludes you from being in areas outside of that school. You, you have an advantage. But certainly, like when a school becomes less competitive, then you do want to consider the market where you want to practice. Um, I mean, look, if I if I want to if there's a certain part of the Midwest where I want to practice, you know, and, and I get into similar ranked schools that are maybe not not as high. Right. But if it's between some in the Midwest versus the South, if I want to practice in the Midwest. I'm probably better off going to that school in the Midwest. Um, but yeah, but, but sorry, I just want to make that point for everyone out there. But you're absolutely right. I want to stay on Georgetown because we have a lot of people who are interested in Georgetown. I mean, if you want to be in politics or if you care about public interest or government work or anything involving D.C., I mean, the, the the options are unparalleled because like you said i mean yeah I, if i go to yale or sure right but if i go to fort berkeley sure but i literally can walk down the street to the capitol and you know there's something about that proximity and georgetown right if i'm correct right it, it, it really does this is part of the culture right where you're just you really take advantage of that is that fair
1: totally it was is. a total it was it was for undergrad and it's still for law school. I know, well, Georgetown, this is another factor. I'm going to uh, digress a little bit. Before no, please. I'm going to divert, I should say. Um, Georgetown is one of the biggest law schools in the nation. It, yeah. And and that makes a difference also when you're choosing schools. You might like the feel of a more mm-hmm. student body. It's not physically the like a little strip of block of land, <laughs> but the student body is very big for a law school i think it, it might be the biggest in the nation and it's de- definitely got the it biggest is. night program in the nation so uh what that means is you have a lot of people working there either full-time or part-time like if you're if you're part if you're i know a lot of people I've, I've I've met who are two l's and three l's they're working part-time and they're going to school at this and and full-time and that's pretty typical because that's like your leg in or you're doing an externship or you're doing whatever and so there's just unlimited opportunities because of the fact that you're in D.C. It's the mecca of law and 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 government and, and service, public service. So if that's what you're interested in, it's totally great for that. And I would say one thing that surprised me about Georgetown, just both in undergrad and grad and uh, law school is it's got a really big presence in big law, really mm. big presence. And, it, that I, and, and in New York specifically, which I yep. wouldn't have necessarily known that. But it, it's definitely got that, um, that era uh, or it's got that like job focus. And that's something that they've, they've really pushed uh, clearly on these, I, you know, these first orientation weeks. Uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, talks about getting your job set up and it's the first two weeks of school. And you're like, wow, why are, why are we getting all these talks about jobs? I, I barely finished one class uh, and you're talking about job, but that's that's the focus here is is to get these big jobs either in government or in, uh, you know, big law or in new york, d c, wherever. so no, great, great point. I'm glad
0: you're sharing this. Um I want to go back and clarify something, right? because and for anyone who doesn't know, I mean one of the cool things I always tell people about Georgetowns, rather unique is it's one of the few t fourteens um or top schools that, has an evening or part-time program right for example you know if you you want to go to one of its competitors that are even something that's a little higher ranked they don't they often don't have a part-time program now this is not to say that great go do a part-time program but that is really cool especially in dc if you're working in government and you you have the option of going to law school part-time or in the evening um so you know It's just something to be aware of. That's a nice option. Yeah, I think you were kind of alluding to that. And I want to go back because you said something interesting to clarify. You were saying that, you know, people who go full time,
1: but are working part time. Is that what I heard? Yes, who are full time students, but they might put on 15 hours a week of work or something. Wow. So, yeah. Not
0: something they're doing in there in 1L, right? No, 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 not in 1L. But after
1: 1L, then you have the flexibility. Is that fair? Yes, definitely. And so, and that's pretty, it's not so atypical. And they also have really good clinical programs too. It's Mm -hmm. got the number one clinical program in the nation. Um, And that's partly because, you know, they put a lot of time, money, and effort into it and you have all those resources. So you get to go into court in in clinical programs, just to clarify our programs in law school, where you get to go as a student and argue cases in front of real courts and real judges. Now you have advisors and things like that who are behind you, but you're the one writing the briefs and making the oral arguments in front of a judge. And, and that's, and so you don't really get a better opportunity to do that than in DC, because this is where (laughs) for the most part, these are where the most important courts in the world are. So it's really, really a special opportunity that you have. Um, And that's, again, that's being in any city. So New York would also uh, have a lot of opportunities. Boston, if you were there, had a lot of opportunities. But D.C. has got almost just the nature of D.C.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that's dead on. It's funny because even even when I was much younger, before I was applying to law school, I had a mentor who was a Georgetown alum. And um, I mean, immediately he talked to me about the clinical programs. And, um, I mean, it's just for that reason, we're not blowing smoke. Like the, you, you, the, the clinical opportunities are unparalleled. and I'm glad you explained that for our listeners because a lot of people, you know, are applying to law school and they're poised to get into some great schools and have a great career, but not everyone's familiar with everything. And yeah, you know, um, across the board, there are, you know, clinical programs that you do as a three L or potentially a two L it's that experiential learning where you're essentially an apprentice learning the hands-on and not just the theory you learn in a classroom. You're actually being mentored by someone in the field. Um, but it's such an important experience and, you know, law schools do it, but not everyone does it as well. And it's very, you know, rewarding and enriching. And a, uh, that's a plus about Georgetown. I mean, I, I, I can't, I'm not just saying this again to blow smoke. I mean, from the time I've ever learned about the school, it, it for all the reasons you cited, the clinical programs are just amazing, unparalleled really
1: yeah, I, I just a quick anecdote on that I yeah. when I was in orientation, um, the editor in chief of the the law review, the Georgetown Law Journal, um, had said she she had done investment banking and then she went to law school, so she's kind of done a lot of things, and she's obviously on the journal, which means mm-hmm. you're one of the top students and she i I, I remember her quote vividly about. Her clinical experience there, Um, and I think that should extend to everyone who's applying. to even if you're not going to Georgetown, you you should definitely attempt to do one because um, she said that is the most rewarding and most fun and best thing I've ever done in my entire life. And that's someone from you know obviously again law journal. Like you're you're you've done really well in your entire life. You were in investment banking. You've done you've done a lot. But if you're saying that was the most like important thing that you've done in your life. That's incredible. So that's pretty amazing.
0: And <laughs> You know, you know, I'm sorry, a little bit of LSAT nerdiness here, right? Cause we worked together in the LSAT, but I mean, to sp- you know, w- w- someone who's been through the LSAT or someone who's a lawyer, we're not as prone to hyperbole, you know, we're going to say that's the most, I mean, maybe issues, you know, but like, you're not going to use big statements like that. That says a lot. That does yeah. say a lot. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I want to go back, actually, I wanted to talk about class size for a moment, because that's something that I was thinking about when I was between schools. I know it's something that people care about. So the interesting thing about Georgetown, right, And again, in my case, I was between Berkeley, which is smaller. It's not hard to be smaller compared to Georgetown because it's so large in class size versus Georgetown. And and again, that was one thing where I care about smaller classes. But the interesting thing about Georgetown is, and again, right, it is a large school. I think there are a lot of pros that come with that, particularly where it's located. But um, right. You are broken into sections and cohorts. And that does I, my my understanding, having not attended, but explored it, is that in theory, you can get a little bit of a feel of of small size. I know people can be quite close from what I've heard. People can be quite close to people in their cohort or their sections. Is that fair? Is that accurate? Has that been your experience? I know you're just starting, but
1: I'd say that's extremely accurate from uh, what I've experienced and from what I hear from other people who have gone through it uh, be- at Georgetown is that uh, the section that you're in is going to be the people that you're with. And it makes total sense because in, in the section system for all of these schools, some schools have like Harvard has it, I know, you're basically moving around from class to class with these same people. All the time, so you, you really get to know all the people in your section now George um, it's a big school as I said it's it is, I think it is the biggest school in the nation law school in the nation so it has uh, really big classes so some of them are a hundred person classes um, and you're in you know lecture hall and I'll say you know there's benefits and uh, negatives to that the the negative obviously is that you're not as in touch you have to really work to make those connections with your professors. Um, and the benefit is it, you know, you, you could never underestimate, uh, how much having, or how nice it is having a, uh, big class when you're receiving cold calls from professors and you're on call (laughs) and you, you, you have to, uh, be ready for them. So, you know, then you're like, all right, a hundred person class, what are my chances of being called right now? So, but that, no, but in all seriousness, um. There and at Georgetown, they are broken in some of the class. Some of the classes, like my criminal class, is broken into even smaller sections from my, my original 100 person section. So now I have a classroom of 30 people, and then that's uh, definitely more manageable. But I, I I've I'm someone who has appreciated kind of the I, even as an econ major at Georgetown undergrad, most of my classes were no uh, smaller than 30 people. I was, because it's a big major and that was a thing. So I was never, um, so it was not personally for me, but if it is important for you, that's also something really you should consider, uh, as you're going through, because, uh, a school like Georgetown, uh, that's one thing that you get the, the, the benefit, the real benefit of it, other than the cold call is you have a huge network outside, um, and you have a lot of people you can either talk to um, who in careers or just within the law school who have been through it. And they can send you outlines and they, you know, they they can help you out with your uh, with advice on anything. And so th- that's definitely a huge benefit and a huge pull. When we talk about big law school, we're also not talking about Ohio State undergrad. It's not 40,000, 50,000 people. <laughs> it's a thousand people. I, I mean, and it might, and it's, it, you know, it's 1500 people. So it's not all that much um, in the grand scheme of things, but for a law school, it is the biggest.
0: I'm really glad you put that in perspective. I know. Cause like, I mean, for me, like, like that, yeah. Like I, I, as someone who likes smaller classes and stuff like that, but yeah, it's not like great example about Ohio State, you know, or, or, you know, Big Ten University of Michigan or Wisconsin, if I'm getting it. I'm getting around. I, I didn't go to the Midwest, but um, but I've heard. Right. That always sounded intimidating to me. But it, would you say that for someone like me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one out here, right, who likes smaller classes, that in some ways, I'm not going to say this is the same as having a smaller class size entirely right but you kind of get the benefits in some ways with sections is it fair to say where you get a little bit It's sort of a hybrid where you get some you know all right like a little bit of a a little bit of a small class within a large school is that fair to say
1: oh it's totally fair to say i mean again the largest class you'll ever have at georgetown is a 100 is is is, it's actually less it's probably more like 75 oh wow somewhere in there Um, that's kind of like, or I guess it would be a hundred, but it's, it's somewhere around there. It's, it's somewhere in between 75 and a hundred. I don't think it's above that. Um, and so you're really, uh, and then some, and then in, for many classes in many sections, they're broken down into further smaller sections where you have those 30 person classes. And then as you, and then obviously as you continue on through your past, your one L year, most of those classes are not going to be huge except for like the really popular electives like con law two or um yeah, administrative law or something like that
0: nice nice and so again glad we're talking about this that's really good for anyone to know who's thinking about georgetown or who's between schools or thinking about schools like georgetown um i want to move into the application for a moment um you know because we did work on that together and i think and just overall whether someone's applying to georgetown or not i think you um you've got some nice insights to share i want to take a moment and talk about early decision Um, because you did apply early decision, right? And just for, I think a lot of people are familiar with this, but just to be clear, generally early decision, I would say almost without very few exceptions, early decision is binding, right? Where I'm going to get the advantage. uh, We're going to lay our cards out on the table. I'm applying early. I want you to give me an early decision. And uh, this is my first choice, or at least we're presuming it's your first choice. I am going to go if you accept me early. And in many schools, it can be a competitive advantage because you're, Doing this, right? You're saying, I'll go if you accept me. And um, but at the same time, you're bound. And yeah, on the one, I'll just say this with my long wind up before turning it over to you. Like I always say to people, cool, I think just here's the thing, right? You want to make sure that's where you want to go. And there's also a financial consideration, right? Some schools will sweeten the deal, Berkeley. Northwestern will give guaranteed minimum scholarships, but not every school does it. I don't believe Georgetown does, unless if I'm mistaken. So you are also kind of putting yourself in a position where if you, if financing is important to you, you then kind of disarm yourself of that because you're bound to go, regardless of what they give you. All right. Sorry for my long windup, but for all those reasons, it's important to know that you want to go because you are bound. Um, Let me turn it over to you, Ted. So I imagine that being an undergrad and not even get the same campus, but being an undergrad helped you, but what was your thought process in making an early decision? Why did it work for you? And what would you tell people?
1: Yeah. So, um, was, I actually wasn't someone I would say who was, a, a like a, just a big picture. I wasn't like someone who was like, I have to go to law school from day one of undergrad. I wasn't that kind of person. I was pretty open to anything. I, but I thought it might, you know, initially I thought, you know, maybe this is something that I would want to do. And then when the time came, kind of came around, I was like, all right, well, I think this is something that I do want to do. Um, so now I got to kind of figure out what's going on. And and I took your uh, the, the LSAT and and then I got, you know, the score. And, and I had to base a decision on all of that information. So I'd say the things that I was considering when applying early decision is my um, – my 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 test scores and not only the test score but the gpa and everything combined Mm -hmm. because that matters that's a predictive factor if you if you don't have a good enough lsat score generally speaking to get into harvard you know i'm not gonna i'm not or i was i wasn't gonna go and as early decision um because it wasn't gonna be or i if if i didn't have a good enough chance i guess of getting in based on the statistics i wasn't gonna do that so once I kind of finalized the scores and everything and kind of had an idea, I knew I was in range for um, a few of these schools um, in the T-14 and then um, and then a little bit below. So I was, you know, I really wanted to consider it. But, but when thinking about it, I was like, I really liked my undergrad experience. It's a top-tier law school. I'd be plenty happy to go to Georgetown if I got in. And, you know, being an undergrad, you know, I was like, I think this is right for me. And I, I'm no, I'm very familiar with the DC culture and area. Um, I, I'm a um, one person who had gone to the law school a year before me, um, and they spoke highly of it. So I, I was, I was, I was sold on it and it was pretty easy. And then, uh, as I went through the application process, it only, uh, emboldened my, uh, my like for the school because um one thing that you'll learn if you decide to apply to georgetown is they interview everyone every single applicant gets interviewed at georgetown in a group interview setting by the dean of admissions and cornblatt yes great guy he's incredible he might be i i don't want to you know this is obviously a a generic podcast and i don't want to sell it off too much but he's fantastic (laughs) he's really really sharp but um yeah i i think that uh that was something that i yeah I, I i was i was happy with georgetown so i wasn't gonna um i i was gonna apply early decision and shoot my best shot there
0: yeah yeah well, while we're on andy Cornblatt, um <laughs> i think he likes to affectionately be known as dean andy if i remember correctly uh but I, I remember when I went to the um, admitted students' uh, weekend, and everyone's different. Everyone's their a different experience. But at least when I went, I remember, right? They were they, they had this welcome dinner for us, and it was a buffet. Everything was delicious and amazing, right? But he, him, and I think I don't know if it was him and professors or the admissions team, were serving us from the trays. So, but like we'd go up, and they were spooning in like lasagna or. or I don't know, chicken marsala or whatever it was. But he had, so he's there with everybody and he had the chef's hat on. And um, I don't know. I just thought, what a great guy with a great personality. A uh, very warm, kind person. He's laughing, joking with us. Um, and it had this, I just cannot get this picture in my mind without whether the chef's hat on. I think of like Snoopy serving food uh, in the Thanksgiving special or something, but yeah. I thought it was very endearing. You look like you yeah. want to say something.
1: Yeah, no, but I was going to say, just. <laughs> That's a great story. I, I, that, and and that's totally him. I would say just as the to give it some generic advice now because now, um, I, I've gotten my Georgetown fever out, um, and I've played my Georgetown card. I guess I would say that that stuff kind of matters too when you're uh, applying or like, to choose, especially choosing schools. And you get a few schools in, and you want to get a feel for the, the type of administration that they've got. And it matters because it's it, Are they really focused on the students? Is it like a good, warm culture? You don't want to be in a place that is going to be really miserable or that or that they're putting a lot of pressure. Now, now most of these uh, law schools these days are smarter, smart enough not to do that in uh, admitted student stuff. But I mean, Dean Andy is sending emails to us as admitted students every single week he's these Mondays with Dean Andy and he's sending us video. And he is when, when we receive our acceptance letter, he, he personally made personally us a video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wrote something. Yeah. He does do that. Yes. And so he's got all these things that, <laughs> and you're like, this guy is really, really on top of it. And he's, and 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 you see the administration and you're like these guys are really on top of it and it was something different from my undergrad experience where maybe i didn't personally think that the undergrad was maybe as as vibrant i would say in the in the administration but the law school has been a plus plus and so that that matters i mean and and the people that you meet in the administration are the people who right they're trying to sell you on it but Fair. That's the face. That's the face of what, um, what, what runs the ship. So that, that matters. If, it, if they're not, if it's not rubbed you, that's a, that's a good sign that something's wrong. So
0: that's a great point. And, you know, just to go back again, you know, please, I'm, I'm happy. Anything you want to share about Georgetown, because, you know, um, there are a lot of people who are applying. I have a lot of students who are applying who are interested in, and, and, and or who are at least considering it, you know. And even if it, they don't up, end up applying to Georgetown, these are things that apply wherever you want to go. You're absolutely right, right? Like, whether it's Georgetown or somewhere else, you want to be at a place that's right for you. And you do make an important point, right? Like, obviously, I, we're, I think we both have fond feelings about this. So we want to put on our skeptical hats a little bit, right? They're, they are trying to sell their school. They have a vested interest in this. Um, so we take this with a little bit of grain of salt. Fair. You're absolutely right. Everyone should be aware of that. I mean, I always say, you know, okay, remember when you're going to visit a campus, this is going to be their best days. You know, this is going to be, and, and that is something to expect at, at a, um, an admitted students weekend for anything. But at the same time, right, like if you, even if you allow for a little bit of a buffer, Right. Like, okay, it's not gonna be this great all the time, but it is nice. You you do want to get a sense of how comfortable you are with it. You are gonna be there. And to the larger point, I think you were getting at this. I mean, law school is challenging. You know, it is challenging. And we'll talk about one L because it matters so much. Um, but you wanna be at a place that while they're gonna challenge you, they're still gonna support you or that you feel comfortable. And um You know, so again, right, I'm going to a tough law school. Fine. It's going to be challenging, but I want to know that there's some level of support or that this is right for me. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Um,
1: yeah. Thoughts. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. You just want to know that the people, the professors, um, as much as you can get, they're trying to be out there for you. Um, and they, and they have the resources to law school you're choosing. Uh, is it the right fit for you? Mm-hmm. That definitely matters. Like it, and and you might not like, you know, you might not like the the Georgetown feel, and you might not like Dean Andy, and that's that that's your prerogative. Um, and that's good that you're understanding that. I guess is the right way to put that. Like you want to know what you like, and then analyze what's going on when you go to either when you go to admitted students when you're getting communications from them or when maybe you're not getting communications from them that's all that stuff all matters so i won't again it's grad school so it it's different than undergrad that would really matter for undergrad it ladders a little bit less in law school but it's not insignificant yeah yeah and you know going back to that
0: story i mentioned with uh, my friend where you're saying oh go to a place that you don't like so you could study hard I think, you know, broadly you go to the place that's right for you. Is it? because I like I told you in that example, I'm like, wait a minute, I hate cold weather. I'm better off at a warmer place where I'll be happier. And that will make, oh, yes, I will be happier, but I will, it'll be more conducive to me performing better. But everyone's different, right? If I, if, if you want to be at a play, I don't know who wants that, but there are some people, I suppose, who want to be at a place where they're not happy. I find that hard, but fine. But at the end of the day, what's going to be conducive to you and more important, right? Like you said, Ted, know yourself, know yourself. It's really important. It's funny when I was going through this whole process, um, and, you know, whether it's finding the right law school or some people might even just wonder if they want to defer or whatnot. That happens too. But law professors, when I was talking to them about all of this stuff, one of the things that I would commonly hear was go with your gut, go with your instincts, right? And you and I worked together on the other side. Uh, Right. The LSAT is very analytical. Law school, like we're thinkers, we're analyzers. Go with your gut. What's that about? Right. Like, it seems very counterintuitive. But I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to say this is everything. But I think, you know, it's interesting that it comes from people in the field and even law professors when you're trying to make such an important decision. It's not everything, but we do, at the end of the day, want to do a gut check and just my, there's any love, there's a level of nervousness someone might feel or a level of happiness, but is there something that just in, intuitively is telling me something and, and it's different for everyone. It's kind of hard to describe, but I just, I, I want people to be aware of that. Um, am I sounding a little too, uh, Stuart Smalley, touchy feely? Or,
1: or, yeah, no, that's, no, that's right. It's exactly right. So.
0: Nice. Uh, I want to I want to jump. Let's talk a little bit about the application. I realize this is, a you know, this, you're many steps removed from this. You know, you've been through a lot and you're starting school and everything. Right. And it's probably the last thing on your mind. But if you could remember back a little bit. Um, you know, just, just love just big picture stuff, anything you want to say, really, it's up to you. But, you know, if you what do you think is important? Um, and then also, like, you know, knowing what you know. I obviously it worked out very well for you. Right. But what would you maybe do differently? Like if it's like, Oh Jesus, obviously worked out well, but maybe I stressed about something that wasn't such a big deal or maybe even though I'm glad this worked out, um, it would have been even easier if I focused on these things and didn't worry about these other things. But if you're, if, if you could talk to your former self and go back in time, what would you tell, you know, younger Ted about applying about the whole admissions process and everything?
1: Yeah, I would have, I again, I, because I was someone who didn't probably think uh, law school until kind of the summer before my senior year when it's kind of time to, if, if, if I were going to do that, I was going to apply then. And so I was like, um, you know, I didn't really uh, probably prep the application as early as I should have. I really, that would be my number one, if I could go back and do it all. I would have prepped and started writing those essays in the or writing all of the essays mm. in the summer beforehand. Um, because, and obviously they change, I, they change. So I think they open up the applications in like August or September or whatever, but as soon as they come out, I would be writing those like ASAP because it, you know, I thought that when I applied, uh, I, I got my application in early, and that's that's also the number one advice. Period. But it's not something that I would change. I, I did I applied and I basically got all my apps in by September thirty. Um, mm-hmm. But to start that process earlier because I didn't predict how busy my senior year would be. Maybe this is just mm-hmm. me dependent. I was very busy in that first part of my senior year with school work and other things, and so trying to juggle. Mm-hmm the law school applications with the senior year. I was also running a club at that point. <laughs> so it was all of those things going on. And it was, it was a lot. It was, it was definitely the most, one of the more stressful uh, like month to two months I, I've, I've had in, in my life. So um, it was, it, so if I had gotten that, if I had been able to prep some of that stuff a little bit earlier in like, even in August, that would have been a monster uh, weight off my shoulders in that um, at, towards in in the fall because I could have at least applied and not had to work as hard on the application with everything else involved
0: thank you that is very i think that's very helpful for our listeners to know i want to touch on a few elements of this right because i mean i I was writing as you were speaking because there's so many interesting facets to this working with people on admissions and having been there myself um let me start well first actually i want to clarify something for everybody Uh, i think it's clear but we well we we don't want to leave anything to chance right um you applied early decision right and that is distinct and different from applying early uh, and, and I think you know you're obviously aware of that but I just want to make sure our listeners are clear on it right like um, I always urge people to apply as early as possible in fact if anyone's been following this podcast there's a whole episode on why it's advantageous right the, the, the benefit is because most schools almost universally admit on a rolling basis it's first come first serve and there are just way more spots earlier on and as time goes on there's fewer spots so applying early in general Right. Like September as opposed to November, October as opposed to December. That always gives you a competitive advantage. And it's not every factor, but it's a really important one that I think a lot of people don't appreciate. So there's that. And that's another reason you want to get a head start on this stuff. But the other thing, right, like just in your specific case, you were applying early decision, which, yes, it is early, but it's specific in that not every school offers this. Right. Right you are applying in a special application that tells them, hey, I want you to give me an early decision. And yes, I'm applying earlier. Right. But I want you to give me a decision earlier and admit me, you know, with the idea that I'm telling you this is essentially my first choice and I'm bound to go if accepted. Right. And so they are related. But I just want to for our listeners, just make sure we're clear on that for you is the same deal. Because either way, you had to get it done earlier.
1: Right. Is that fair? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes. So you're right. Early, I, I should have, and I should have. No, you're good. That. Early, yeah. Early decision uh, is what I applied to Georgetown alone, because that's you can only apply to one. If you apply to more than that's, one, yeah, that's you can't do that. So I applied to Georgetown early decision, but I got all of my applications in before September 30 because it's a rolling admission, and when there's and and all the law schools are are rolling admissions for the most part. So when you You have just a huge leg up. There's absolutely no excuse, almost unless I mean that's a that's an overstatement. But (laughs) if you if if you can do it, there's you should absolutely put in your application as early as possible because they review them as they come in. So there's and and they can make decisions. They can defer you, but at least it's in. And also the other advice you can uh, that's is good is. If you haven't gotten those extra essays done, those supplemental essays that they say are optional, and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. You can put the application in and supplemental essays in later um, and send them through to their email uh, to whatever the admissions office is, but get the application, the main application in as early as possible. That's what I ended up doing for a lot of uh, a few of my schools is if I, if I, it's, I remember, I think it was uh, Notre Dame had a few that were um, longer and, and different from anything else that I had written. So some of them I, I put in a little bit later. Um, yeah, did I share that, that
0: with you? Cause I, I always tell students that.
1: Either yes, way, I don't did. care. Yeah. I'm just glad you're yeah, yeah. It. It's No, super it was yes, It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a total advice from you. Um, but it's, it's, it was a game changer. And it, and it, I, I don't. Obviously, it's counterfactual. No one knows if, because uh, I, I, no one knows if that actually made a difference. But I would guess that it made a difference applying early uh, because I didn't have perfect statistics. I, you know, I had a good GPA and a lower LSAT, so I didn't have perfect, perfect statistics. So it really a good application. So a good essays, and then a good, a good story and, and a good strategy moving forward. And so applying early for me was incredibly important. It's probably, uh, probably one of the best pieces of advice you gave as we were going through this is get it in early, no matter what, send in the supplementals later. So. Oh, thank, I'm so glad
0: you're emphasizing that because it's funny. Like, I'm so glad and I'm glad I'm glad it, I, I'm glad it, it worked. You know, you listened um, and, and it, it worked out very well for you. There are students and I get it right. Like I sympathize because you're dealing with so much, but you got to prioritize what's going to make more of a difference. And I think also, like if you're, you know, I was a splitter, right? I had I had a lower GPA, higher LSAT. So I also needed every competitive advantage. And it's just like, oh, well, if I just do this or just do that, I, I got to make sure it's perfect don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Like I get, especially if you have some things that are not ideal, you, you you want more time. But at the end of the day, right, it doesn't, you are at a competitive disadvantage if you don't send it in early and you're at a competitive advantage if you do send it in earlier. So I'm glad you emphasize that. And And again, it can be very tough for people, especially because it's overwhelming going through this process. Um, there's a lot of facets to it. I got to get all my ducks in a row. And yeah. Um, so I'm glad you, you know, the example I often give, and I might share this with you, right? If someone's got, let's just say someone's got a 160 on the LSAT or a 160, let's just say 160. If someone's got, you know, there are tons of scores, you know, there are benefits to all different scores depending on what you want to apply to. Let's use 160 for an example. So if I've got a 160 and I'm applying in September, as opposed to a 160 and applying in, say, December. Even though it's the same number, that 160, for all essential purposes, is worth more in September than it is in December. It's the same score. It's the same score, but that 160 counts more in, November, in September. Why? Because I've got, you know, let's just say I've got a thousand spots to give away. Oh, I really like this application. I can take this student. Whereas December, now my thousand uh, applications maybe dwindle down to 400. So I, the 160 is good. I just wish they came to me in September. And I would say the same thing for a GPA, right? If I've got a 3.0, better in September than December, right? You come to me in December and I've got 50% less, less spots. I can't, I can't do it. I wish you came to me earlier. So that's what it comes down to. I realize there's a lot we're competing with, but kind of like, like you were saying, Ted, prioritize getting in earlier because our goal isn't, you know, I know uh, 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 the GPA and the LSAT and all those, those are important factors on the way, but our ultimate goal is getting into law school. Right. So, you know, it's not about, I want to get this score or have this GPA as much as it's going to get me in a law school. And that's why being early matters so much. So, so I'm glad you pointed that out. And for good, I have plenty of students who I get it, but they don't take the advice and then they're wishing I did. So I'm really glad it worked for you. And I want to make one other point about the supplemental essays. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've got an example, right? There was a school that I had a really, you know, it was a targeted reach and, um, you know, but I was like, Oh, they've got all these extra essays and I better do them. They weren't required. And then I ended up getting waitlisted when I probably should have gotten in because I submitted it so late so, you know, and luckily it wasn't a place I was crazy about, you know, but and I was happy with where I got in, but, but no, and that's why I tell people, right. If it's not supplemental means supplemental, it doesn't mean required. You could send those after, but right at the end of the day, if I send that thing in December as opposed to September, I'm putting myself at such a competitive disadvantage. I'm going to stop talking. I'm just so happy with what you said because it's really important. Anyone listening out there, any other thoughts about that stuff?
1: Yeah, no, I, that's all. That was, that was key advice. Um, and it's totally true. Those essays are optional now. Yes, they, they do factor. some. I'm, I can't believe that they're not a nothing factor, but they are optional. You do not have to submit the application with it. And you also are allowed to email them that stuff later. So it's to, it totally makes sense. Get the application in early, get your name in the door and then you can send in those uh, those supplementals, and that can help that can help them uh, evaluate uh, further if they need to. But uh, uh, absolutely, that's a number one uh, fact. I think people should do. And on the supplementals, for there there are these supplemental essays that they're asking for that are kind of just fun essays. Like I think Georgetown has like make a top ten to your list or whatever. And those are just truly um, optional and and fun and trying to get to know you. There are some that that are like addendum or addenda, yeah. which are if you need the uh, if you need if you had a low GPA or a low LSAT for some reason or another, um, and you or you had a disciplinary infraction, you have something that's going on. Those are also you can also send those in later. So I would get the main app in first, Good. but those are also I thought really important to my application um, because. I I was I was in I was a reverse splitter as they call it like a mm-hmm. lower G, a LSAT and a higher GPN. and I knew that I could I knew that I could have gotten uh, the higher uh, LSAT score if I had studied a little bit or basically taken more than a summer to study but because my I, it was the same thing with my SAT scores it took me almost a full year which is not uncommon
0: to, by the way it yeah. is
1: not people don't realize that it's actually yeah. quite common but
0: with your timeline
1: yeah you know you had a summer you know. Right. And, and that was what, and I, and I thought that I wanted to do law school and I thought I would just go straight through. And so, and, and when I got the score that I was, I was at least happy with, I was like, okay, I can move forward with this score and we'll apply the cycle and we'll see what happens. Um, and you know, obviously I was fortunate that it all worked out, but that was, you know, being, having those extra essays to explain kind of what you, uh, what may have gone wrong or what just your side of the story. It could just be your side of the story. It doesn't have to be some, like I I think some people (laughs) get the impression that it should be like, well, my, 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 my grandmother died. And then I had cancer and all this other stuff, you know, that happened to me. That's why I had a GPA meltdown in my first year or something. It doesn't have to be that crazy. It literally could just be, I was spooked by my freshman year, or maybe it was, I, you know, kind of was in over my head in my junior year of college, or, you know, for the LSAT, maybe it's just, you know, I'm not a great test taker, and I've, and I have this track record of being um, a not great test taker, but then, you know, I, but I also have these things that are good for me, like, I, I really have a good GPA, or I have all these extracurriculars that are really good, and that I've been really involved in, and show, just, just telling your side of the story for those, if, if you don't have the credentials that necessarily are perfectly match the, the target school you're looking for. Those can really be useful.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you're saying all this. Um, so two things. One, um, I just want to clarify what I was saying a little bit before, which is uh, I was trying to, you know, I want you to be fair to yourself and anyone there who's listening, right? People underestimate the time that's involved in studying for the LSAT, Um I have had students that get into the high one seventies or close to 180 who've been studying for over two years, uh, you know, like, or I have a student that, you know, I've had students that take, you know, two years, then they'll get into the one seventies, but people underestimate it. you're spending your whole undergrad, getting your grades, earning your GPA. I think one of the, you know, fair or unfair, you know, and I think in some ways this is unfair. Um, you know, we spend all this time on our undergrad education fair, right? But then we've got to taste this exam and I'm an LSAT instructor, right? We've got to take this exam that we really haven't prepared for. Maybe if you did some philosophy, maybe, but you're not really prepared for this. Then you're going to take one of the hardest exams in the world. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm not surprised, right? Like, you know, kudos to anyone in a summer who studies for it. Right. But I would argue it does take more. That's why a lot of students end up spending more time on it. Right. So that, that was my only point about that. And so like, um, and although I teach it, I just want to emphasize to anyone out there, right? It's quite common where someone will only have a summer, but, you know, that's not – it's not an indication of their ability at all. It's just that, frankly, I only had a summer when – honestly, you probably need it. JY from Seven Sage says you probably need at least a year for this stuff, and I kind of agree with him. But I just wanted to make that point. There's another thing I want to add, but it looks like you want to say something.
1: I want to make sure I don't cut your thinking off. No, I, I – yeah, the only thing I was going to say about that was just – um I think that my story tells people also, if you don't, if you're not perfect on the stats and you, but you really want to go to law school, like this is the time that you want to do it. Try for the cycle. I mean, or try this cycle and get your application in early, do all those steps that you take. You never know what can happen. And I, I, and I was definitely, I was, I was, you know, I was in range, but I was, you know, it wasn't clear that I was going to get into Georgetown. Um, So I, I was taking a risk in that regard. uh, And someone who had the, the one the, the median GPA and the median LSAT and so I, it, it was definitely a risk uh to go in but I but it was a it was something that I really thought I would wanted to do so I I took that and did it um and also yeah I totally agree that I would I would never consider myself one of the, and, and in this way I probably like most people I never considered myself this one of the smartest kids in the room um and I know I know I'm not and I'm not naturally like the most um uh, Fast with or quick witted or quick uh, thinking. So I don't. That's just not my forte on that stuff. I know that I probably could do it if I if I had if I devoted just more time to it. But you know, you're right. It totally t- it. it don't, so for people, it's it, it shouldn't be too frustrating because I think it really is an experience where a lot of people take many years or yeah. you know just just it takes a while to get if you really are reaching for a good score, it can take a while and it's frustrating. It's, it stinks. I mean, I, 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 it stung for the three months I was studying for it. So it, it, it really must, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really wouldn't have wanted this to have, stu- I'm glad I don't have to study for it anymore. Um, but yeah, in that regard, uh, I think for most people, that's probably the experience you're going to have. Yeah. I, I
0: wanted to say a couple points about that. Like one, I, you know, I don't I have my own philosophy. Part of the reason I love teaching the LSAT and I believe in doing this, I have a growth mindset. And I really my personal philosophy is that I don't know. I don't like to put limits on people. Like I, I personally don't believe that any test can measure human something as vast as human intelligence. Um, and I, when people put labels on themselves, well, I'm not that person, or I'm—I don't agree. I, I personally—I mean, maybe I'm a little overly optimistic, but I think in a reasonable way, that's my humble opinion. And i, I just can't help but like Ted. You know, I don't want you to sell yourself short, right? I—I—I—I I, 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 I think you can do anything, and I—and I, I believe if you gave yourself time, like anybody, I believe all my students could get, you know, a 99th percentile score. It's just a matter of the limits we have of time, and I, mean, I would even argue. Sorry to get up on my soapbox here, but I would even argue that some people that, that hit it out of the park in the beginning, they may not have realized, but they might have studied something that was conducive to it. Like one of my first teachers got a 170 his first time, but he was the first one to tell me. He's like, Jimmy, I studied philosophy and math as an undergrad at Penn. Mm-hmm. It's very conducive to the LSAT, you know. Uh, anyway, let me get off my soapbox. I just want you to know that not just you, Ted, but everyone out there. Please don't pigeonhole yourself. I believe in you. It's just a matter of when, not if. But going back to your point, Ted, right? I think you make a great. You know, I remember discussing this with you, right? Because we knew, and I firmly believe, right? You, 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 you go after it. You'll get that score you want. But hey, you know, uh, I would like. I'm considering applying now. So then, all right. If I'm going to apply now, if it works out, great. I go. If I don't, then I'll wait till next cycle. But why not take a shot? And the the really cool thing you did was right. Everything I can control, I, I can't automatically make, make a, make a, wave a wand and make all of a sudden everything be different, but everything I can control, I'm going to control. I'm going to get this application in early. We're going to work on this. And we're going to make sure it's in shape. All this other stuff, right? I'm gonna, If I can get it in before September 30th, that's an advantage I have. That's something I can control as opposed to not getting it in before September 30th, right? So, But I think anyone out there, if you're, I mean, again, I'm, I'm. I always say, like, give yourself time to do what you want to do. But it doesn't hurt if you want to say, okay, I'm not. Everything's not perfect right now. But maybe I'll apply the cycle and control what I can control. And especially if I'm applying earlier, right, and doing everything I can control, it might work out the way I want. And then, I'm, you know, and if not, then I could always do next cycle. And you made that choice, and it happened to work out very well. And I'm, I'm glad it did. Sorry for the long spiel. Did it make any sense, no. or did I just yeah. pretty much? no that made total sense
1: yeah yeah yeah. that made total sense and i totally agree with that it was um you know obviously i don't want to i'm a i'm lucky in that regard it did work out so maybe i'm not the best person to be speaking on it but i do think that that it's definitely true that control all you can um (laughs) and that's absolutely the number one fact that's the number one thing for applications control what you can control and then uh don't worry about anything else you know the other stuff you get and it's really easy to say uh harder to do so you can really worry about that stuff but try and control the stuff like the application timeline and when you're going to apply and getting those es- and getting your essays done and in quickly that stuff you can control you can not outcomes so it's hard to worry about that
0: yeah you know and um I, I know you easier said than done, but it is really important, and you know that's just the nature of life. We want to, we're, we're anyone. We, we Ted and I have been through this process, so we can tell y'all. You know, it's not always easy to do, but keep that in mind. Control what you can control, and stuff you can't control, you can't control, but maximize what you can. And I, oh, just to touch on a couple of other things. We, you know, Ted, you mentioned addenda, right? And, you know, basically describing anything that you explaining anything that you think needs addressing in your application um you the one that i think you were getting at this too that i just want to say to everyone else out there right one thing i would say about addenda it's not a personal statement and i think you were kind of getting at that idea right like people think oh well my situation's complicated fair i'm not going to deny that a lot of people have complicated situations but it's sort of a just the facts sort of deal because right it's not a personal statement where you craft this narrative and it has to be this you know again it's not a narrative it's just to the point you know in your hey this happened my second semester i had to have surgery but as a result I, it took me along to recover and it impacted my grades these are not representative you could look at the rest of my grades and you can see that under normal circumstances they're much higher boom right and i just blurted that out but i mean it's just to the point i think a lot of people think like oh man it's an essay gotta write it like my personal statement it's just to the point anyone you know, we worked on years together. Uh, we work with students on them. But again, just whether well, you work with me or not, don't sweat it. They know you're human, right? You're just giving them an answer so they don't have to wonder. Um, if you can provide supporting materials, fine. But just state the facts. It doesn't have to be
1: this long, drawn-out essay. Is that fair? Yeah, 100%. I that's exactly like you said, how you I, can
0: always send them in later. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead.
1: No, I, yeah, you can always send them in later. And that's exactly how I wrote mine. It was just matter of fact. I've, you know, I'm a, I've, I've, Never been a great test taker. It took me a full year to do the SAT, and um, but look, I've taken a lot of really hard classes as my undergrad. I was an econ major. I took you know econometrics and some very complex courses. I'm not afraid of a challenge. So um, that's that, and that's exactly all you need to say. You don't need to say anything more. It doesn't need to be a narrative, and it doesn't need to be special. Like that story is. There's nothing special about that story. That's pretty much how many pe. How many times? I, I, like. You do always hear, Oh, I'm not a good test taker. It's not something it's, it's really common story and I didn't write anything big or extravagant and I didn't have a really extravagant story It was just, that was the fact. So
0: it was, it was, it was a simple and honest answer.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know,
0: that, that gives them a piece of the puzzle that makes their job. Okay, cool. You know, um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I want to respect your time. You've been very generous. It's like a couple things I got to ask you about. I want to go back to, so, I'm, yeah, I'm good. So is that okay? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the, you know, the fear of the essay. Because when you were describing that or the fear of like, oh, shoot, let me. You're like, I wish I had worked on these sooner, you know. And I, one thing that I think might be helpful as students is, um I think, I don't know about you, but like, it's just like, there's so much writing on it, right? Like, this is my application. I, it's got to be perfect. It's got to show them who I am. There's all this stuff in it. And I know it's not easy, but to the extent that you can, you want to force yourself back to just be like you know, okay, let me just start this thing. Let me just start this thing and get it done. You know, and I'll, one of the things I'm a big fan of, we could talk about this and bringing you back a little bit, maybe is an outline because that allows you to just get out the basics. But if there's a quote, I forget who it's from. I'll see if I can find it. But the idea of, I know this is a family podcast, but the first draft is shit. Let me just do it and get started. You know the first draft of everything is shit. I think it was Hemingway. You might have said that. Ah, I don't know. We'll, we'll probably find out I'm wrong. And but but I mean, like, I think the big thing is people procrastinate not because they're bad people, but I want to get this right. I want to get this right. And you got a lot going on. I get it, right? But what I say to people is, if there's a day when if you're studying for the LSAT, by for example, if there's a day where you're just not firing on all cylinders, and it's like I don't want to do a logic game, or man, I have this project due for school and I just don't want to get it done. Hey, go start brainstorming about your essay, right? Maybe I can't think about a game or about, you know, econometrics or whatever, right? Like uh, whatever, but I can think about what I want in my essay or I could jot down ideas or I can do an outline. And so really what it comes down to, I think is, yeah, you want to get this done sooner, but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and allow yourself to get pardon the expression a piece of crap out but that way good i got through the crappy part and i make the crap a little better a little better a little better but let me start sooner and not get paralyzed by the perfect enemy of the good is that fair is that does that resonate a little bit Um, maybe that wasn't your issue but i think it goes to the whole idea of holding off sometimes that's why i think a lot of people hold off thoughts
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly correct. and That's totally my thought process and how I write essays is I definitely outline things. Now, for a narrative essay, it's harder to outline than something where it's a little bit more formulaic. But if if for those for like those essays, when I was thinking about I was thinking about the things that have made me interested in the law. Um, And really, I also think that people get stuck on, well, what what do I write about? that's also part of it. Maybe you don't have an experience. I, I wrote mine about my experience at the public defender's office um, in Delaware. Maybe you don't have an experience um, in, in law, or you, you just, you genuinely don't know what to write about. I'd say that just tell a story of things that you find interesting to you and relate it to what you might want to do in the legal field moving forward. I know people who, um, who, who I've I've been talking with people these past few weeks and they mentioned something. I heard that someone at Georgetown had written their essay on Boba tea or bubble tea. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not really sure how that worked, but, or I'm not really sure how you would have related that to the law, but they did. And another person wrote there's about Justin Bieber and their love for Justin Bieber and how I think something about that relating to entertainment law or something, but it really can be about, anything. It really, it doesn't need to be this, like this, you know, it doesn't need to be the SAP story that, because most people don't have stories that are really, really deep and compelling about their lives, you know, and, or, you know, there, 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 you might be, I, I don't really have anything that interesting about it. think about the hobbies you do think about the things you do on a normal day-to-day basis that might be really small and insignificant to some people, but it's really meaningful to you. And those are the things, and, and and find a way to relate it back to like why you think that that would make you a good lawyer, or why? Because I honestly think that those are better essays even than maybe a really compelling story about your background or something. depends on It depends on the person, but if like if it's something about your background and your history, you can't, you couldn't really control all that stuff. But the things you can control are the things that you like doing, and the things that you you if you can make a really good essay out of those topics that's really good. So I, I, and, and yeah, it really doesn't have to be all that special. I think that that's one of the things you say that don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And it's, it should be something more like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the, what you think might be just good, but it's actually, if it's something that's meaningful, great. So, and, and, and that, that, yeah, that would be my overall take on that.
0: I'm so I love everything you said. I I I I, I think this is gonna be really nice for our listeners. I I have so many things I wanna just respond with. But the one I gotta I remember when I was admitted student weekend, Bieber had like this uh <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I respect it, right? But he had this sign that was being like everywhere we went, it was being blasted. He was like topping the charts. And so when you you when you mention that with George it's just it, it's funny to me. Um and I guess right. I want people to have a sense of humor in this process. It's the least thing we can do. And, hey, Dean Andy has a sense of humor. Um, And it is important. Um, But let me go back to another thing you said, right? Like, I I think one of the mistakes people make is they get too caught up in something like, how do I stand out? You're kind of alluding to this a little bit. Like, how do I stand out? How do I stand out? You can't manufacture that. These people do this for a living. They could spot it a mile away. They just can, you know, I, 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 I've, I've been advising on this for years. I know it when I see it. Um, and I, and I get it right. You're, I'm not, no one has nefarious motivations. They just, they want to get into law school. And so they, they, they want to stand out. I get that. Right. But it's sort of uh, ironic, but right. Like <laughs> the less you try to stand out, the more you do in a way. So there's that. And I think another way, and I, you know, related to what you're saying, what I often tell people is, um, look, they're going to give out a certain number of law degrees. They're going to admit a certain number of people, and they're going to give them a legal education. That's happening. No matter what, they're giving, I don't know, 500 uh, law firms of admission, and they're going to graduate X number of people with law degrees and give them a legal training. Happening no matter what. The X factor is, who do we give that to? Who are you? And that's the one thing, you, like, again, right, I, I know right here we want to stand out, but like, there's no other Ted, there's no other Jimmy, right, There, they, they, whoever out there is listening, that's it, you know, like, and so what I often tell people is that's why you want to tell your story. Now, in your case, right, you happen to work at a public defender's office, and we talked about that, it was beautiful. I didn't have that kind of experience. I had different experiences, so I wrote about that, and so there's some other, but I mean, right it's interesting because the answer like, and again, how do I stand out? Hey, if you try to stand out, it's just not happening. But the one story you can't fake is your own. Tell them your story. Obviously tell them your best story, right? It's like, you know, like, how would you, you know, you want to be real if you're going on a first date, but you want it to be the best. You tell them, uh, you know, like kind of like a first date. like, I don't want to just, you know, put my feet up on the table and tell them about all my bad, you know, but, the best version of you tell them your but again your story so I'm really glad you said that and again, even for people look if you happen to have experience um, you know working in a law office like as, as Ted did great but even if you didn't I mean you're going to law school because there's a something inside of you that knows and all these other things but, but you're going to get that experience it's why there's a clinical education you haven't gotten the legal training yet so you don't necessarily have to talk about why law school? You can, but more important, right? They're going to give you that legal training. Who are you? Tell us your story. Does, it, does that make sense? Does that, res- does that make, does that sound does that kind of jive with what you were saying, Ted?
1: It's exactly right. And especially for Georgetown, I can't speak about other schools cause I didn't, I don't have nearly the exposure to it. And also, um, again, in those interview processes, one thing that Dean Andy does in his interviews uh, at Georgetown is he kind of lets he kind of shows his hand and he kind of tells you a little bit about what he's looking for in an applicant um, and what he's and how he's judging applicants and how kind of the just the mat, the basic metrics that he's using and one of the things that they care about a lot at Georgetown is what I'll call i guess your either your authenticity or your integrity or some combination of both that's something they really, really care about at Georgetown. And they talk about it all the time in orientation and whatever. But it's something that's – it's clearly something that they are looking for when they're applying uh, or when, when when they're accepting people. So in that vein, you really – at Georgetown – and and Dandy's he's, he's too smart. He's got – he's been around mm-hmm. forever. And yep. he's he, – he knows. Uh, so you really – just telling your best story is always the best way to go. And it really does not have to be special. I think that's one thing that I always got caught. What what mm-hmm. What's the story I have that's really special? How do I make it? How do I gin it up to be really good? It really can be an ordinary experience of your life. Maybe you like to go bike riding and something about that. And you can, take the, you can tell yourself the journey of your bike riding and how that's... it. It, it can be anything.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, as we we're talking, I had to Google that quote, the secret of success is sincerity. Once you fake that you've got it made. Obviously, we're saying this tongue in cheek. But, but yeah, I mean, like you said, right, like, I mean, um, going back, right, these people do this all day. And even if you're, you know, hey, obviously, if you're applying to law school, you're a very smart, talented person, but this person's doing this all day, they see these things, they're going to spot it a mile away. It's a fool's errand. And, and I, I and again, I don't think anyone's trying to connive anyone. They just want to go to law school when they're trying to present a certain side of themselves. But, right, um, you know, it's just not gonna work. Just, just be real, you know, and people, I, I see this inevitably. I do this for a living, and I see this inevitably when someone, and I get it, right? But someone's coming to me like, geez, I just when they're trying a little too hard to be to stand out, it just I can spot it. But as soon as they let their guard down a little bit. And they just talk about what they care about or talk about who they are, what's important to them. Oh my God. It's beautiful. And it could be, it could, it could be something that's not entirely unique, but it's unique to them. I'll tell you one quick anecdote that I think you might appreciate. I might've even said this to you when you were applying. I had a student one time who he was an athlete and he was a runner and he's like, well, I'm like, it was, it was just, it's, he lived and breathed it. You know, I just, and we're we're putting together a personal statement on that and he's like I don't know my my parents were looking at it and they don't think it's a good idea. They think I should work do maybe this trip that I did one time on a mission that'll that'll make that'll stand out. And I'm like I don't think that's a good idea. You're passionate about this. Like everyone does that. It doesn't seem like you really care about this. I mean in his case, you know, it just did seem like it was pretty obvious. So you know, but again, he was adamant about going with what his parents wanted, so he drafted a statement on both and you know the one that he was doing because he thought he should do it it would stand out it just didn't click and he knew it and it was obvious and it's something that a dean could spot a mile away and again not that this guy's a bad person or his parents are bad they just again they just want him to go to the school right so but then we the, the running thing and you can think oh well how many people are athletes you know what i mean not all of us are but i mean they're they're always going to be athletes at a school right and um you know, but it was more than that. We found out that, you know, we were exploring it and talking about it. Well, that was his bond with his dad. And his dad had a really rocky relationship with his own father, the, the guy's grandfather. But running was how they bonded. And it informed everything he did. It made him close to his dad and it bonded his dad with his grandfather and him with his grandfather. And it, it just it impacted how he thinks. And it was beautiful. And, I, you know, I, I run a little bit, but I, I'm not like a college runner the way he was. But it, yes. Are there plenty of runners out there? Absolutely. But not the way he ran. It didn't have the meaning for him. So I'm sorry for the goofy example, but you couldn't help but make me think of that. Right. If, if anyone's out there listening, you might have a story you don't think is unique. It is unique to you. And Once you let that go a little bit, it comes out and people can see that. Uh, <laughs> I hope I didn't put you to, it, it sounds no. like it's resonating with you, Ted, but I know we're not talking, you know, what are your thoughts is that, does that make sense or no? no? Yeah,
1: I get, yeah, that's totally correct. Um, it totally matters. Um, yeah, I, that would be something that is worth thinking about in, this is just general, I guess, advice for anything, any interview, any application job, whatever is just think about when, before you do it, think about full do you. Um, and what's grounding you and that generally, if you do that, it'll shine through and it'll, it'll also dictate part of, uh, what, like how, how your interview, how your application, it's going to, it's going to dictate how that turns out because either you're going to get in on the stuff that you really truly believe or has been impactful to you, or you're not going to get in because, and, and it's not, it wasn't going to be the right fit either way because if you're if you're not your authentic if you're your authentic self and that's not they they're not looking for that then you don't you didn't want to be there either way you you wanted no. to be somewhere else so uh, being your authentic self there's almost there's almost zero downside to it and it, and if you're being fake but you get in you're you're being fake you know you're 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 not the person that they said and so you're kind of living a lie and that's you know that's cuz I know it's really cliche like that whole like no. don't don't cheat on exams and don't do this because it'll really hurt you in the long run. But it, I think the generally uh, that a hundred percent of the time for these law school stuff, it matters a ton. So,
0: yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think there's truth to what you're saying, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, I
1: don't know how i I don't know if it really works out.
0: I think it's some, it just probably doesn't probably tells me there's something, but well, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I mean, at some point in your career, if you keep doing that, it's not gonna be fulfilling, and it's gonna catch up with you unfortunately and I, again, I don't think anyone's coming with that in a bad place, but um misguided at best, but it doesn't serve you well um and you know I, I just the um there was a uh, i i do want to address um Oh, here, one other thing that I think is important, uh, and I don't know if this applies to you so much, but I mean, anyone, I think it applies to all of us, right? There are always things that, gee, I wish we did better. I wish I had this GPA or this score or whatnot. One thing I would say, there's a place for that, and that's where either you address it in an addendum or your GPA or LSAT score or anything else speaks for itself. And again, you could address an addendum. Your personal statement is different. Like, and I think at that point you need to like, even if you're like, gee, I feel sheepish because of this factor that I don't have going for me. This is a different factor. You know, just focus on telling your story. Don't feel like, oh, let me explain this other stuff. If it happens to come up organically and explain certain things, fine. But I think some people go in hat in hand. I think one of the best pieces of advice I saw was like Berkeley years ago would say to people, listen, your your application is your your personal statement is the first thing we see. Tell us who you are. Don't worry about what is going. You're starting from scratch. We don't care if you have a high score or if you have a low GPA or whatever. You'll address that there. But we don't even look at that. I can't say that about every law school, but I think that's the attitude you want to have. Don't go in thinking, oh, gee, like I got a low GPA or a low LSAT score and I am holding my hat in my hands when I write this thing. You're starting off on the same footing as everybody else. Tell your story. You'll deal with all that other stuff later, but treat this factor. This is the only factor that they're considering in this moment. Be present and just focus on your story. Don't worry about that other stuff and let it distract. Is that, is that fair? Yeah,
1: totally. And that's, yeah, yeah. Personal statement is your best story. That's You just said it perfectly. There's kind of no better way to put it. Um, and you, you're right. You can, you can solve all the other stuff later. I, t- I think that's totally right.
0: Cool. A uh, couple other points. I do want to check in with you, and this may or may not resonate with you, but I'm a big believer now. We touched on it a little bit, right? And actually, yeah, you did. We, so, like, I want to know if you, if you had an experience writing the outline, um, if you used an outline, because I think when you came to me, you already had a draft. And I think we might have approached a little bit, but I do think an outline is so important. And I know what you were saying about narrative, right? But even with a narrative, you do want to lay out your foundation, right? Like, and then that gives you the freedom to do what you need to do for a narrative but here are the points i want to establish right? i'm going to tell you about my story this is what i this is what he, this is something in my life this is what happened to me this is how i responded this informs how i'm thinking but even just laying that out in a simple outline first in just bullet points makes the process so much easier because then you just turn those bullet points and the sub bullet points which you turn into sentences which you turn into paragraphs is that something that resonates with you Do you agree disagree and if not that's okay by the way i can always edit this thing
1: yeah no i i uh i definitely agree that it it depends on the person some people really like to for especially for narratives they like to just put something out there kind of like because one thing about a narrative to make it most authentic is kind of a stream of consciousness um and so some people are going to be really good at that that was probably closer to me I, i wouldn't say i was going stream of consciousness but i definitely uh, in, in those kind of essays, I'm less of a, of an outline it out person and more of just kind of, but I, but one thing I do do is I keep in mind what the goal of the essay was, right? Mm. What are the things, what's the thing I'm trying to communicate? Um, I'm telling this story and it's great and all, but what am I trying to communicate through the story? And if you keep that in mind as, uh, you're writing that can really, um, make, make your essay much more interesting and insightful because you're infusing those elements. if you're just thinking about if you think if you keep that in the back of your mind yeah. as you're writing everything it infuses all the elements of the story so
0: yeah I'm glad you said that right now I by no means would everyone outline to be a straitjacket, but I kind of like what you're saying like here are my big picture goals and obviously I can modify them if, as I go through it but yeah definitely the goal right part like because then I'm I'm just keeping in mind what I want to write and I don't veer off and you know but but i think we're probably definitely in agreement way right? but the big picture goals you want to keep them in mind that way it keeps you on and it kind of almost naturally organizes you but i certainly would never want it to be um a straitjacket in any way you know um i want to go back one other thing this is interesting because on the one hand right you um you were saying how you wish you did some of this earlier and cool right and that's just the nature of it and i'm glad people are learning from this experience the other is, um, you know, I remember you had originally applied in your junior year. Now, this is unique to you, but it's I think it's the, the some of the information can be helpful to people overall. You applied in your junior year to a special program Georgetown had where they let people apply in their junior year, where they would count their senior year as their first year of law school. And again, this is very unique to Georgetown, but I think there are some lessons that can apply to everybody here. Um, And, you know, a spoiler alert, you didn't get in, but I'm a big believer. Delays are not denials. And I would argue it probably gave you uh, a head start in things. So I wonder if you could share that experience with us and what your thoughts are and advantages, disadvantages. I think it was an overall advantage in the long run, but
1: you tell the story. I'm going to stop telling your story. No, that's uh, that's exactly right. Georgetown has this program where you start off uh, if you're an undergrad at their school you can apply to the law school in your junior year and after and, and they'll accept you at the end of your junior year. You do not have to have had an LSAT score and they'll just and then you'll go through your senior year and then you'll be put into the one out class right after that. So you, you would you would track the same way, but they're just accepting you uh, in advance. Oh, wait, you, would complete,
0: you would complete your senior year?
1: Yes, you would complete your senior so, oh, year. Oh, you're not
0: losing a year. You're not saving a year.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh, you're, you're, okay, yeah. thank you for so your not saving a year, but yes, but, but, but it, it, it allows is, you
0: to get in and just enjoy your right, senior and then year. you're
1: coasting your senior year, um, and you and the advantages you didn't have to have taken the LSAT. So, but that's n- not important for most uh, viewers. Obviously, it is
0: unique to Georgetown, right? But I think it gave you, you know, it gave you sort of a head start on the process, and I guess that's what I want to get at, right? Because even though you were in a position where you were like, gee, I wish I had done some of these things earlier. Fair, that, and I, you know. But at the same time, I remember you came to me. You had something, you know. You had a draft that we could work on, you know. And we we built on it and everything. And you know, I advised you, but obviously, you were the brains behind it. Um, you did a beautiful job, right? But what I think is really helpful is remember what we were saying before. People are afraid to start, but because they've got all this pressure on us, right? But if we just start then we can edit and then make it better and make it better. And so by naturally like it, 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 you know, inadvertently it gave you a head start because even though it didn't work, you didn't, you weren't admitted again, I'm a big believer delays and not denials. You now had right a dress rehearsal, so to speak, or a practice before the big game. You know, you were way ahead of having worked on a personal statement before anybody else. And that gave you time to build on that. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, totally. I, and it was a, It was really good all the way around because it also forced me to do right. If I had gotten in in the uh in that program, I didn't have I wouldn't have ever had to take the LSAT, I I definitely wouldn't have been talking to you at any point in time. So, obviously, this connection would have been moot, but that's I it didn't ever force me to go and make get a challenge of taking the LSAT, which is something that I was you know afraid of doing. I didn't want to do it, but. You know, once I had to do that, that was true. And going back to just the lessons learned from uh, the application, uh, the the application itself, uh, yeah, it's it it totally. I think this is probably good or uh, useful story for people who are going in and applying for a second cycle or something like that, where take you you understand that you got rejected and you might not know the reasons for it, um, but take a step back and see what you thought went right what you thought might not have gone as well and like and and try and take a a really objective eye to it and that was something that i did when i got rejected it stunk but then i i i took a step back and i was like okay what happened in my essays maybe something i need to tweak maybe it needs to be cleaned up a little bit more Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, and, and, and it really did become a blessing in disguise because then I felt like I tweaked my essays a bit more. I also gained a few more experiences over the summer that were nice, um, to, to, uh, to study and then put on the resume and just a little bit more worldly experience from that. And you're right. Uh, that whole, that phrase that you said, uh, delay is not a denial. Yeah. Uh, That's totally true.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I I remember when we were talking about this and immediately I was thinking when you when you first came to me and talking about this I was thinking I think this is going to be a good thing because he is a head start and you know, there's that I think there's another quote that's out there but it's something along the lines of you're not starting over you're starting from experience, right? Mm-hmm. You already had the framework in place. Now mm-hmm. it was just a matter of optimizing it. And so um yeah, I I I knew as soon as I heard about you having applied already that, that it was going to be a good thing, you know, no matter how it turned out and it turned out exactly what you wanted, but not, not everyone is in that unique position, but I was but people can relate in a way, right? Cause Hey, if you're in your junior year, maybe start brainstorming, maybe start drafting someone. Hey, maybe come to me and work with me, you know, like and get a head start. Um, if someone's working on the LSAT and they're trying to balance the two, remember what I was saying before, right? Like maybe, working on your L set, if there's a day where it's just not happening and you have a headache and you don't want to do a logic game, start working on your essay, you know, just get a draft out, get a brainstorm or personal statement or brainstorm or outline, excuse me. But there are things you can do. And so like, again, you structurally applied early, but other people can take the basic concept and kind of give themselves a head start. Right. Uh, And so maybe
1: even the easiest way to do that is to set a deadline for yourself, make it Make it. This might help certain people who find it hard to do it. Like, I don't know who you have to go to. Maybe it's your mom, your dad, your your best friend. Make them like have yourself submit a copy to them as <laughs> your resume. I don't know, or as yeah. your as your application. Or you, you've got at least your personal statement and maybe some a a, a supplemental or addenda that you want to submit. But it was an actual. Um, thing especially if you have the time to do that treat it like it was the actual application and submit it and now you've now you have a huge head start and and because you treated it like that you'll have the um you'll have a, a real draft done and you'll have a real framework and it'll be it'll it'll and and you won't have done this oh I, I'm gonna think about it for a little bit and there's kind of you know and, and you're going to let, and you're going to fall to that trap of letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Whereas mm-hmm. just getting something in is, is, is key is really, really key for all of this stuff. Cause it, it gets the ball rolling on every step of the way. You said it perfectly.
0: You know, it's funny, like, again, right. You were in a unique position, but again, you said exactly what I'm thinking about. Every Not everyone is in that position, but they can replicate some of the benefits and, You know, going to this other idea, right? I think this especially applies for applications because, I mean, there's this idea that writing is essentially editing. And I think that's fair. Like, I know for myself, I became a much better writer because of the editing process and having other people edit it. And then I internalize that. And you'd be surprised. I see it happen with all the students that work with me. You become much better on your own because you allow it to be edited. But one of the reasons this applies, especially for this is, right, if I do a draft early, no no matter what I think of it, whether I like it or not, I have a draft. And now I can edit it and it can get better and it can get better and better and better. And the sooner you start, the earlier you have that advantage. So, yeah, I mean, and you said it perfectly, like even like most schools, not every pre-law advisor is great at schools. I want to be open minded, You know, they're working hard and everything, but, you know, I haven't always had the best experiences, uh, but there are some great ones. Either way, there often are pre-law advisors. Maybe go to them and say, hey, if you trust them and like them, and they're usually great people, hey, can I give you a draft? I know it's my junior year, but can I give you a draft, you know, wherever with a certain deadline, have someone to work with But like you said, that it could be anyone. It could be a family member. Um, just set that deadline and that can really help. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's really, that's exactly what you want to do. Even I'll say one other the thing that could be helpful. You had to uh, uh, Ted, because you, you had to kind of get your ducks in a row and did you have to get recommendations when you were applying in that special program? Yes. Or so even yes. that, right. Like getting your recommendations early. You know, like anyone could do that. If you have a professor you're close with in your in your junior year or your sophomore year, hell, they could do it then. That way you have it on file and whatever, right? But that way you're not going to them at the last minute thinking, geez, I hope I'm not rushing around that it's all set. But you can you can prioritize something
1: so you don't have to worry about them later on. Is that fair? Yeah, and that was a, that was totally I had totally forgotten about that whole part of the <laughs> application, which is recommendations and getting your transcripts, transcripts in and other things yeah like those are things that take weeks um to to get done generally speaking because the registrar of that so uh getting your transcripts in and then you don't know, you want to give your 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 professor time to write your a good recommendation for you um in terms of recommendation and advice uh the one thing i would do if you're and this is pretty obvious i'd say advice but uh if you're asking someone to write for them, obviously it's, I hope it's someone that you've interacted with beyond Mm -hmm. just like the normal classroom setting. Maybe you've gone to office hours, uh, like a few times or something. And and it, and you're, you're a good, you were a good student, but more, more than that, you you got some connection to them where they knew your name, like that you weren't just some blank, uh, student in, in the, uh, in the crowd. But also when you ask them for the recommendation, give them an outline of what the the stuff you did because, and they might ask for that because they might forget. They probably, they certainly don't remember, but just kind of give them a general outline. Hey, um, why you think that this is going to, or why you think this is the right person to be giving the recommendation or whatever, because, and, and and maybe it might be your assignments that you did really well. It might include, I really thought um, your, I really thought that this assignment really helped Uh, shape a a sense of cultural identity for me or whatever it might've been, you know, give them an outline basically to help them write your, uh, your letter of recommendation letter.
0: That's a great point. You know, the one thing I always try to be a little careful of is, right? Like I'm always a little wary of what I don't want to do is like give them a resume or give them a copy of personal statement. And then they're pretty much just, Hey, I see them that they were active in this club or whatever. We don't want that. And I don't think that's right. what you're suggesting at all. But it's something I'm always, I always tell students, you know, is be careful, right? Like, I love what you're saying. Give them an outline. But make sure they know that they, they, they really want to tell how they know you or how you performed in their class. I know it's not always easy, you know, um, but but, you know, you don't want them to, like, overly worry about, you don't want them quoting your resume or paraphrasing your resume or personal statement. Yeah. And that's not what you're suggesting, Ted, but I always have to warn people careful. That's why I like, I always say an outline is good. And also, Hey, you know, to the extent that you can ask them to talk about how they know you. And I know it's not always easy. They may not remember, which is also, by the way, if anyone's in college right now, you just finished a semester and had a great relationship with a professor, ask for a recommendation now and have it on file. And then, you know, eventually upload it to LSAT and that's a whole other deal. But, That's great advice. And one other thing, anyone out there is listening, I did an episode on recommendations. If you look back, you can look at any of these podcast episodes by topic. Um, There was one not too long ago, and you can just do a search by topic on recommendations, best practices. But going back to what you said, Ted, right? A big part of it is I just want to get it out because if you wait till later, you have everything ready, but you got to wait on your two weeks for your them to get the if you start the process early just asking for those recommendations and just shepherd them, then you don't have to worry about gee, can I come in time and hold up my application? Same thing for transcripts. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. Any other thoughts on that?
1: No, that's good. Yeah, hey, that's really good.
0: I gotta ask, are you in and this is Georgetown specific, but are you in A curriculum or B curriculum?
1: I'm in curriculum A, which is uh, the the normal one. So it's oh, the okay. anyone thing out who's listening. To
0: George is unique. They offer curriculum A and curriculum B. Curriculum A is the more normal one that just about everyone who goes to law school, civil procedure, stuff like that. Whereas curriculum B, if I remember correctly, it's a little bit more um,
1: theoretical. Yeah. It's so, yes, exactly. You've you basically explained it correctly. Curriculum A is the normal towards contracts, the, the, the classes and how they've been teaching it the same way for the past hundreds and <laughs> hundreds or whatever it's been. Hundred and, it feels like, you know, forever curriculum B takes a slightly different, more anthropological or critical approach um, to the curriculum. It was just something that I personally wasn't interested in. And, um, but I know a lot of people who are in that program who are very happy with it. Um, And they teach you all the same stuff. You're still getting your contracts, you're getting your torts, you're getting your pro civil procedure, but you're getting a little bit of a different twist to it. And you're looking at the law from a a critical lens and seeing maybe not just what is the law, but what does justice require, or thing. Just asking a little bit more philosophical questions. Nice.
0: And again, so I just had to ask about that. I know this podcast is for anyone, but if anyone's thinking about George Houns or something to be aware of, I also went with curriculum A when I was prospecting, and but I remember meeting students at admitted week, admitted students weekend, and there was you know. A, a, most people go with the standard A, but there were people who were in B and they were very passionate about it. They loved it. And so, you know, if, if anyone out there is interested, you can look into it more. I'll put a little note in the show links. Uh, but if that's, you know, that's a unique appeal to, and, you know, a resource you have at Georgetown. Um, and people who have been I've, I've known who have done curriculum B are very passionate about it. So just had to bring that up. And and thanks for sharing with us.
1: Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. So I, I, you've been so
0: generous, uh, but it, it's been a pleasure for me. Is there anything else you want to add that might be helpful to anyone out there listening?
1: Um, I would just say again, you know, i say the number one things that I've learned, uh, through this process. And then beyond that is, um, uh, it, it's, it's going to be taxing, um, some t- at times it's going to be challenging, frustrating. Um, this, probably just good advice in general and it's probably advice that I'm going to need to keep as I go through these next few years especially this fir- first year but keep remind yourself of why you're going to law school and what's grounding you there or, or and it was the same thing for undergrad I was saying you know remind myself of why I'm here what am I doing here and it might not be I want to be a corporate lawyer or I want to do x I want to go work for this big firm it might just be I'm here because I wanted to help people or I'm here because I think it would be really interesting. And I thought that these classes were gonna, gonna be really great because, and, and and when you're writing your application, that, what are the things that ground you in the world? Those are gonna be the things I think that are gonna make the biggest difference, tell your story, but also it's gonna, it, it will make the process more interesting and fun for you. It's almost like a self, ex, uh, you're, you're self exploring. Um, and so, You can have a little bit of fun with it. You can have and and, and you can you can explore your own psyche and your own imagination. And it also helps ground you and keep you sane because it can be frustrating at times. The LSAT, the applications, everything, choosing a school in the end can be frustrating. What's grounding you, though, that I would say that was my number one thing that helped me that has helped me throughout my life and has helped me uh, even today. So
0: Beautiful thank you thank you um man uh so listen i won't keep it any longer i do love that though i'm so glad you shared that i can't understate that enough like um thank you i'm uh i guess this goes to how i feel it's been an honor you know and um you know, ted is that i haven't seen you in a while we've not talked in a while but it's so good to see you across on zoom and we've, everyone's hearing us uh you know our voices but i i can see ted as we're having this interview and um I'm so proud of you and I'm, I'm serious. I'm not just saying that I'm really proud of you and I'm really happy for you. And it was an honor for me. So thank you for being so generous with me and with all of our audience here.
1: No, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jimmy. And uh, I wish everyone good luck in the process and Jimmy's the best. So if you ever need any advice or anything, you know, he's really, really knowledgeable. So I, I highly recommend.
0: You are too kind. You are too kind. Thank you so much. And I'm serious. It's really been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. One tip to use your time with this podcast effectively. Take a look at the list of previous episodes. They're named by topic. So you can prioritize your listening based on specific areas where you need help the most. Again, I'm your host, Jimmy D of JDLSat.com please do subscribe share these episodes with friends if you're interested in working with me one-on-one feel free to reach out to me and check out my website again it's jdlsat.com that's jdlsat.com